I'm Danielle West. Welcome to Intentional Marriages Podcast, where we share vulnerable insights about marriage. On today's podcast, we have Miriam Dolan. Miriam is a wife, mother of three, and an entrepreneur. Miriam and I met when my husband and I apprenticed under her and her husband, Jeremy, in a married small group called Thrive. Walking into this meeting, I expected to see an older, gray-haired couple, and it was just the opposite. Here was this young couple, over a decade younger than us, and I was surprised, but not so much by the end of the meeting. This couple was fantastic in how they led our group by asking questions and allowing those long, uncomfortable pregnant pauses, thoughtful insights on difficult marriage topics, and managed a marriage crisis with patience and love. Please welcome my dear friend of 12 years now, Miriam Dolan. So let's kick this off and talk about how you and Jeremy met each other. Okay, so we went to college together. Uh, I was a sophomore and we are the exact same age. So same year in school. He started attending the same school as me his sophomore year. I really liked somebody else that year. <laughs> he got to hear about it all the time. Oh, no. Um, we were both really involved in the Baptist Student Union. I was involved in the Baptist Student Union, and he was got involved in another organization called Campus Outreach. He did mm-hmm. kind of both of them. And I just thought he was amazing. And when my brother, I have a brother a year and a half younger than me, and when he came to school at the same college as me. He also studied accounting just like I did. Oh, wow. He, when he came to the school, I said, oh my gosh, you should hang out with this guy. And I introduced him to Jeremy because I thought so much of Jeremy, but we were just friends in college. And like I said, I was interested in someone else my sophomore year, dated somebody else my junior and senior year. He was dating other people Mm -hmm. and we were just really good friends. And some really big decisions that I made related to kind of walking out my faith in college and serving others and getting involved in things. Um, I was an academic mentor to freshmen um, intentionally so that I could get around younger girls and kind of be a positive influence on them. That's so cool you did that so early on. Well, well, a big part of that decision was actually Jeremy. He was the one that said, hey, I see this in you. I think you would be great at this. Why don't you be a mentor? I'm going to be a mentor. And so He was, and the way this particular program worked is we got to live in the dorms with freshmen, which some people may not want to do, but we got our own room. It was, I mean, it was kind of a nice thing. So, (laughs) but he didn't live in the same dorm as me. He was in like this other building, but we were always in meetings together for this program. And so our lives just continually connected. And I thought, you are just such a great guy. And I can absolutely remember a day on college campus where and I have a photographic memory, which can be a love-hate relationship. Sure. <laughs> you remember the bad as much as you remember the good. But um it was just beautiful. I, it was sunny day. We're out in the middle of this outside of the business building. And we were talking and he just kept asking me questions about how things were going and what life was like. And I remember he walked away and I thought, whoever marries him is going to be the luckiest girl because he is awesome. Aww. And it in that moment, it never occurred to me that that would be me. Really? No, it didn't. Because I just thought, because out here I, I was dating somebody else. And, and I was very faithful in my, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't have like these wondering eyes of, oh, well, he's cute. Maybe I'd like to date him. I mean, I was kind of like, this is who I'm dating. This is who I'm with. And I had these friends, but... Never occurred to me. And at this point, had it been three years? Yeah, we had been friends. That That was probably in our senior year of school. That you had that thought? Yeah, that was probably. And then, so that's how we met. And then as far as when we started dating, he, so this is really funny. I, um, like I said, I had dated that guy for my junior and senior year. So after college, I started attending the church that I attend now, North Point, and this is back in 2000, so 18 years ago. <laughs> and I, because I had been in relationships with guys for so long, I say for so long, just during college, I thought I would really love to learn how to be around guys and not think about dating them. And I had not even heard about like 
taking a year off or things like that. Mm -hmm. But just personally, that's what I did. And so I said, I'm just not going to date. I just want to be around people and not think about this. And so my brother goes to a wedding with Jeremy and my whole family is kind of flipping out because I've graduated from college and I'm not dating. And I think they all (laughs) thought, oh my gosh, she's never going to get married, which I mean, come on, you know, I was... 22? So young, yeah, mm-hmm. probably 22, 23. And so my brother goes to a wedding and gives my number out to like four or five different guys. <laughs> and Jeremy's one of those guys. And so Jeremy said, and I when I found out about this later after we were together, I was like, why didn't you call me? He was like, your brother gave it to like five guys. Like, I wasn't going <laughs> to call me. So the third time we reconnected was later that same year. He heard I was going to North Point. He decided to start going to North Point. He had moved up to this area. So he called a friend and got my number because he didn't have it because he'd thrown it away twice. And he called and said, hey, I'm coming to North Point on Sunday. I heard you're really involved. Can you introduce me to people? And I had gotten really involved in the singles ministry. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. And I got off the phone with him and I told my roommate, he sounds really bored. I, I just think, you know, gosh, what is he doing? It just, he really sounded bored. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to call him back and invite him to a party, which was not me at all. Yeah. Because yeah. growing up in my house, you weren't allowed to call boys. Mm-hmm. Like that was just like, you don't call boys, boys call you. And so it was still, even though here I am, grown woman, at my own job, living on my own, it still felt a little weird to yeah. like, call the guy. So I called him and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm having this party. There, It's Saturday. Do you want to come? You'd probably get to meet more people. He said, sure. And I thought, this guy is something. I mean, he noticed that their trash was full and he took it out. That's It just was a big deal to me. And really, that was it. I mean, we just kept hanging out. And he kept calling, kept pursuing. And we knew pretty quickly at that point we would probably want to get married. But it was 10 months of dating. Then we got engaged. And then seven months later, we got married. And so how many years was it that you had known him in total since you met him till you got married? Oh, gosh. I guess from meeting him till we got married was probably four years Mm -hmm. or four and a half. We got married in 2003. I met him in 97, so actually almost six years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's neat that you guys had such a great foundation of a friendship, right? And how that he kept coming back around. It is. He is really great, and I'm really grateful. And I do think, I'll tell people this when they're dating, you want to marry someone that you want to be their biggest fan. And if you're not their biggest fan when you're dating— you probably don't want to marry them. Right. <laughs> because you kind of need to start off at least thinking they are awesome. Right. And I really still feel that way. Like he is really awesome. Mm. And it's not perfect, but he's a good match for me. Yeah. So. I feel the same about us. Yeah. It's beautiful. So how, how many years have you been married? 15. 15. Just celebrated 15 on Thursday. Which is crazy because I don't feel old enough, but I am. <laughs> 15 years later and three kids. Yes, three three children, age eight, five, and three. So we're in a very busy season. So marriages, our anniversaries look different than, you know, what they looked like before we had children. And we went out during the day this week and it was wonderful. Yeah, you, you have to choose differently yes. on when to celebrate. Yeah. So you have your day anniversary yeah. instead of an evening anniversary. Yeah. So before we jump into the questions, I did want to step back and just thank you for what you and Jeremy have done for Russ and I with Thrive. When I looked up the dates, we met in fall of 2011. Oh, goodness. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And the combination of counseling and Thrive has been incredible for us and has allowed Russ and I to have such a rich marriage because of all the things we've learned. And there's something to sharing those tools with others that holds you accountable 
Right. And you get to experience other couples. I mean, everybody struggles, but it's how you repair and recover is what I consider to be the secret sauce. And Thrive is an amazing, amazing curriculum. But I remember when we first met you guys, we're like, wait, how old are they? Like, (laughs) you guys look like youngsters, like are, did they just get married? <laughs> I mean, why did they even let us leave? No, it's amazing. Because you guys, amazing. you guys were and are amazing <laughs> and had so much to teach us. I remember mm-hmm. during the group, you guys had asked a question and now we're apprenticing with you. And so we're watching how you facilitate a small group, the small group of Thrive. And I remember Jeremy asking a question and then it was just silent. And I thought, okay, we have like, I, I don't know, we had six, five or eight couples. We had a group. big group. We and did. So we either had five or six couples and, and I'm sitting there going, okay, well, why isn't anyone answering? And it just <sighs> kept going and going. And I thought, okay, there's a pregnant pause and then there's a really pregnant pause. And he is fine with that. Jeremy oh. loves the pause. Oh He's my gosh. He's totally like, fine with me. I, <laughs> I thought we need to step in here and help them. <laughs> but it really taught us that. You just need to be quiet and, and give t- people time to think about their answer. And yeah. so anyways, that that was a huge lesson in that. I remember mm-hmm. that. But I also remember we had some, there were some critical crises going yeah. on in that group I was. that you guys modeled so well in teaching us how to love mm-hmm. on other couples. So mm-hmm. we're just ah, so grateful for, mm-hmm. for you both. Well, I am grateful for you guys, because you continue to pour back into us. But also, I'm grateful that God has allowed us to leverage our family's stories. Because I think, had we not, you know, my parents divorced when I was 11. Jeremy's parents had each divorced, each had three kids, married each other. So kind of like the Brady Bunch, but with all boys. (laughs) And they've been together over 40 years. And we've just observed a lot and learned a lot. And our parents have lived very open lives in front of us about what they learned. And I think that is what fueled our desire to get around other couples and to say, you're not alone. Things can be better. Things can change. So yeah. And that small group environment that Thrive has created for married mm-hmm. couples, it, it does. It helps you. Well, one, it gives you the accountability, but two, it's also like you're not in this alone. Mm-hmm. And we do need community as married couples to yeah. say, okay, how are you guys processing or handling this yeah. or, you know, dealing with the hard stuff like miscarriages or yeah. infertility or yeah. or job loss? And, you yeah. know, so it's... um. It's been amazing, and I love watching couples who haven't experienced that mm-hmm. come in to thrive and taste it and be like, oh, okay, we have to continue this. Yeah. So it's been really special. Mm-hmm. So on that, name a couple who inspires you. So the couple that inspires me is Jeremy's parents. They, and if they listen to this, they'll probably cry too. <laughs> I love them so much. Aww. They have this really sweet relationship and like I said they've been married over 40 years and they just model self selflessness just you know sometimes I give his dad a hard time because they can be a little old school like go sit at the table and then his mom like brings the plate (laughs) especially when we were first married I was like dad and I call them mom and dad and so I was like, Dad, you can get your own plate. You know, like I give them a hard time. <laughs> but, you know, we've been to Jeremy and I've been together 15 years now. They've been together 40. And I see that she gets his plate because she loves him. And he does things for her too. Like when she, I've seen her, they've both battled a lot in the last few years. His dad had a little bit of a stroke. His mom had a heart issue and then she had breast cancer. And so they've had some physical difficulties. But the way that they've cared for each other, it's just a oneness and a sweetness that Mm. I look around and I say, you know, I think it's great that, you know, that love stage is so fun when you're first dating and engaged. It's awesome. And you need to experience that. But that is nothing compared to what they are experiencing at 40 years. Mm -hmm. And it gives me hope, too. It kind of helps me keep the end game in mind that, There is a sweetness and a oneness and a 
knowingness that you don't get until you put that time in and it's worth it. And I'm really, you know, they're a lot older. Jeremy's parents, um, his dad was 40 when he was born. So in terms of compared to my parents, I feel like hopefully I get my parents for a lot longer and I don't think about losing my parents, but I do think about losing his parents and just the void of our lives when they're gone because they pray for us. They, and they are so loving to all their children. I mean, every single one, every single grandchild, great grandchild, they're all special. They're all loved. Mm -hmm. And so they are very inspiring to me in the way that they love each other. And if Jeremy and I can love each other like that, we have a really good chance of making it. And I love how you shared that they have this deep, rich love yeah. that you only experience over time. Yeah. And so that is beautiful. Well, and one thing his mom told me, I said to her, you know, I could get a little bit cocky sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I was proud of myself. And I was like, you know, how does Jeremy and I compare to other couples that you know? I mean, why would you even ask that? I think it's because I can be performance oriented. And I thought, welcome to the club. Give me a report card. How am I doing? Yeah. And I said, you know, what do you think about our marriage? You think we're going to be different, right? Like, we don't need to worry about anything. We're going to make it. And I'll never forget what she told me. She said, Miriam, she said, you're no different than anybody else. And it's just Jesus that's going to help you make it. Mm. And talk about some humility. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. Thanks, Mom. But I think she's right. Yeah. Like, I think it's good to remember that you're not any different. Like, you're, every couple is one decision away from a lot of different experiences. You're one decision away from really awesome things, and you're one decision away from really difficult things. And it's good to keep that in mind and not to think, well, we're above that. That would never happen to us. Yeah. The um, minute you think you're going to be skating through is the minute you end up with some problems. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, it, it's amazing how Russ and I can be skating along and then all of a sudden the way we interpret a situation can just throw us for the yeah. rest of the weekend. I, it's it's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Speak Jesus. Are you becoming the wife you'd hope to be? Why or why not? So you had sent me these questions ahead of time. Yes. I picked that one because, and I talked to Jeremy about this. Uh, yes, I do think I am. And the reason why is because I didn't think I would be, I thought I, first of all, I thought I shouldn't even be a wife. <laughs> um, why why and is that? I had no expectation. So that's how I am becoming who I thought I would be. Because honestly, I had no expectation to do it well at all. So the fact that I'm here and 15 years into it, I'm like, okay, like I didn't do terrible so far. So mainly just because of my parents' divorce, I just thought, well, I didn't have a model to look at of how to successfully, you know, do marriage. And I had my grandparents, which were awesome, right. but they were also of a different generation. And mm -hmm. the way that they connected was a little bit different than what maybe I personally thought I wanted. And so I just didn't have anything. And so actually when Jeremy and I were dating, he said, you know, he made it very clear he wanted to marry me really early. And I said, you are crazy. <laughs> so you need to go pick one of these other girls that wants to get married, that would be so good at that, that, you know, is just sitting around wanting to get married. And I said, because I'm not that girl. And he said, I think you, and I, well, and I also said, I'm not only not that girl, I don't think I'll be a good wife. Like, I don't know that you want to marry me. Let me just protect you from that. Right, <laughs> so, right. Little control there, little right? Little control. Again. Always. I've got to add I, a little bit in there. I see a theme. <laughs> it's there. He, he said, Miriam, you need to get a mentor and hang out with someone who's married and kind of learn what marriage is about. So I did. I, I prayed, and there was this lady that was leading worship with me. I was leading worship in the kids' ministry at North Point, and she was leading worship in that ministry. And what I observed about her is that she had three kids and her oldest was a teenager and her kids liked her. Mm. 
And that was, that said something to me. I thought, okay, I don't remember exhibiting like super love for my parents when I was a teenager. Again, everything had just happened with the divorce. So that's probably why. But their kids liked them, both of them, her husband and her, um, her. And I thought, you're doing something right if your teenagers like you. And they weren't weird looking, which sounds terrible, but, you know, <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't think, okay, well, they like you because you're weird. But no, they just were very normal. I could relate to them. And I thought, let me see if I can hang out with them. So I asked if I could hang out with them once a month. I kind of explained what was going on. I don't know how to do marriage. I'd like to understand better how this works. And they welcomed me in their home. And so I would go once a, one Saturday a month and hang out and I would have dinner with them and I would go to the soccer games with them and whatever they were doing. And oh, that's I could ask questions and I would ask, well, what do you mean? It's not a rule that you can't date till you're 16. And they said, well, we just feel like we'd rather have conversations than rules. And we just, when that happens and there is someone to consider dating, well, we'll talk about it. And I just had so much respect for them, and Jeremy and I kept dating, and then eventually they had Jeremy start coming. So even up until we got married, once a month, Jeremy and I together would go and hang out with them. And so they, um, and their names are Donna and Steve Taylor, and they are now missionaries in Kenya. But they were just really helpful for me and kind of helped build my confidence Mm -hmm. in the ability to be a wife and that um, it's okay. Like you don't have to go into marriage with this perfect background or this perfect understanding of what it means to be a wife. And I guess why I feel like I'm meeting my expectations is I didn't really have high expectations to begin with. So when you don't expect a lot, it makes it a lot easier <laughs> to, to do well in the long run. But a huge takeaway from that is how intentional you were to go watch somebody model what you saw as, okay, that's how I want to be. That's the type of wife and mother I want to be. So it's really neat that you intentionally went out and did that. Well, I did it because I was dating somebody who said I should do <laughs> Let's be clear. Okay. I wasn't smart enough at the time to think of that on my own. We'll give Jeremy the credit, Jeremy but did. we'll give you credit for execution. <laughs> I did. I did yeah. make the ask. So Jeremy is... didn't ask for me. He didn't pick the person out. Yeah. I did all of that. That is true. But it was his idea. And you know, I don't know if you and I have talked about this because we've become such close friends since 2011, but... My dad at 16 sat me down and said, my mom was away for a trip and sat me down and said, don't buy into this whole marriage deal. Like, you know, take care of yourself. (laughs) And at 16, you're kind of like, what? And twice I tried to break up with Russ. Mm -hmm. And so I look back at my relationships and I guess when they started to get serious, I tried to run. And, And so it's just interesting that we had patient and enough men hang in there with us and yes. love us through those times. So, I'm so glad. yeah, we're, so we're very, very fortunate. In your perception, are there any rooms in his life that you believe are off limits to you? I said, no, I don't think so. Now, do I want to be the one that hears about everything in every room? <laughs> <laughs> I and why, don't you, why don't you explain what he does? Okay. So, well, first of all, I will, yeah, let's step back on that. He is a licensed professional counselor who works at the church in the care department as a pastor. He is also an ordained pastor, and he is the Renew Director. So I just threw out, like, all these different things. But basically, he meets with a lot of people that are hurting Mm -hmm. and helps them determine their best next step. And then he also oversees and shepherds a lot of the leaders who are helping the people who are hurting in the Renew program. And it's an f- amazing program that North Point it offers. Is. It's this little gem that mm-hmm. people may not know about, but it is amazing. But I tell everyone that my husband really should work for the White House because he can keep <laughs> secrets like crazy, but not in a bad way. When I say secret, I just mean he's very confidential. Right. So, so people, thing, people share things with him and he actually cannot share it with me because it is uh, legally like there's a patient confidentiality situation. But 
in this question, you're not asking that. You're right. asking, you know, in his personal heart, are right. there any things that are off limits? And I would say no. And the reason why I say no is if you, well, here's the thing. I can read him and I know if there's something that's weighing on him that he's not sharing with me. Because mm-hmm. his wiring, I mean, he it will show all over him. Mm-hmm. But if you're not sharing things, if you're hiding things from each other, you're missing out on a level of intimacy, I think. Because your intimacy deepens when you know all the good and the bad. And you need to know that. And well, why do you think couples do that? Why do you think, why they, do they, think they hide they, it? They hide it, yeah. Because they have a perception that if they knew this about me, there's no way they would still love me. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't still accept me. They mm-hmm. wouldn't still love me. And there's a shame, too, that I'm, a, I'm ashamed that I can't change this or I'm ashamed that this is part of my story, and I would rather that not be known by the person that maybe they think their spouse is like the last person that does still think they're awesome, and they think if they knew that, they wouldn't think I was awesome. But I believe that's a wedge that Satan uses to drive a wedge between couples instead of them getting to experience the closeness and the intimacy that comes from knowing everything about each other and accepting each other and loving each other. And it's an opportunity to forgive. Like if you're hiding something, then you're not, especially if it's something that you've done to each other in some way, or maybe not to each other, but it's something that you're doing that actually does affect the other person. Like, I don't know, let's say you open a credit card and you're spending and you shouldn't be. I mean, that's a crazy thing. But if it happened, then if you don't share that with the other person, then the other person doesn't have an opportunity to forgive. You don't have an opportunity to, for you yourself to grow in your ability to manage your finances. Like there's a lot of things that you're missing out on. So I just am a big fan of being honest. And I will say in terms of the way that some um, men struggle with, um, I don't really want to say the struggle, but the battle of lust and making good choices with their thoughts and making sure their um, affection is for their spouse. I think that it is helpful for them to have other men in their life to have those conversations with, Mm -hmm. because I don't really want to hear about Jeremy's (laughs) choice to make sure he sets his affection on me. All I want to hear is that I am the most awesome (laughs) woman in the world. You know, I mean, I would like to live with the everyday thought that he never thinks another woman is attractive. Right. But that is not true. Like, the truth is, hello, like, we are sexual beings. We are attracted to lots of different types of people. If we want to have success in a long-term, faithful relationship, then we set our affection on our spouse. We give them all of that. But we have to guard ourselves. And part of guarding our hearts is having open and honest relationships with other people where we can share everything. And so I think it's important that I don't think there's anything that's off limits. And I do choose to let some of those things be shared with men that I respect instead of just with me. Right. So the the shame uh, buried mushrooms. So mm-hmm. when it stays hidden, oh, yes. it just it grows yes. and grows and grows. Yes. And and you get to a point where you feel feel so paralyzed you can't share it. Yes. And so mm-hmm. that's part of the unveiling that I believe needs to take place between a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And and so anyways, let know, me say one more thing there. Yes. In the unveiling though, just to just in case anybody's listening where they think there's no way I could do that, in order to be able to do that, you have to have a safe environment. So it's important that you know Obviously, it's easier for me to do that because I feel safe with my husband. Mm -hmm. So working on creating a safe space in your relationship and a healthy, emotionally safe space Mm -hmm. is important, too. But part of being a safe place is being honest. But I recognize I, I certainly don't stand in judgment to someone who says, I can't share this because someone might respond a certain way. Because that's a whole other thing you've got to work on, too. So there's layers. Right. And I remember one time talking about telling somebody that Russ was safe for me. And he goes, I think you need to define safe because a lot of people are going to assume sure. physical safety. Mm. And and so it was a good point because a lot of people think, well, as long as my husband, you know, is I'm physically safe around him, there is another level of 
needing to be emotionally safe, you know, how you verbally treat Mm -hmm. each other, how, you know, are you putting Mm -hmm. each other down or being Mm -hmm. condescending or being manipulative? Mm -hmm. So there's emotional safety that there was a time where Russ came to me and said, I need to discuss something hard with you. And I'm like, well, sure, of course, you know, I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, but I have a tendency to walk on eggshells around this particular subject. And I'm thinking, you do? Like, <laughs> I, I'm easy to talk to. And it goes, um, not, yeah. not quite so much. So yeah. I was surprised by that. But I had to create an emotional safety mm-hmm. zone for him that I wasn't going to get defensive, mm-hmm. which I would have if he hadn't done the softened startup. Yeah. And, and so when we talked it through, I saw how I made things difficult for him and I would shut things down because it was threatening to me, the yes. particular topic. So, um, yeah, there's there's emotional safety if if when you want to share something very vulnerable with your spouse. Yeah. That you, yourself, and they need to create for you. Yeah. So what do you see in the character of Christ that you most wish were you in as well? So I think Jesus was so smart. <laughs> I always think that I think you're brilliant, that your mind, I just, ah, he asked the best questions. And I think he just was very intentional. And one of my kind of uh, ongoing things I've had to learn in my life is to be careful with my words. And there's a verse that I wanted to actually share related to this because I have, um, so much struggled with it in my life, but, and I use this a lot. I've even used it with my children now, and I'll use it with other couples, but it says that in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, it says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And there was one time I remember someone saying something in church about something Jesus said, and I went home that Sunday And I literally read all of Matthew looking for everything that Jesus said. Like every time he talked to people, how did he talk to them? What is the tone that he used? How did he, you know, interact with them? And he was always so smart. And he asked a lot more questions than he talked Mm -hmm. because I love to talk. And so I will share my opinion on things (laughs) and sometimes to my own fault where I should keep my mouth shut. And I have hurt relationships with people because I've said things and I have not done the second part of that verse, the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I'll say to my kids, I'm like, look, when you called your brother, you know, poo-poo head, which is very (laughs) common in our house right now, that the that pierced their heart like a sword. You can't see the wound, but you're making a wound. And we are responsible for our words. And so I just really wish I was more like Christ in his ability to be so careful with his words and, you know, not, it's okay to get angry. We can be angry. He got angry, but he was still intentional and super smart with his words. And Mm. I would love to be more intentional. And that is beautiful. And, and I have to point out something that I've always loved about you. After our Thrive time together, we ended up meeting as a mentor group. And there were four of us together that what I loved about you is that you are our spiritual guide through that group. And I just love how you always bring us back to the Word and to God. And just you keep us focused mm-hmm. on that. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I really love that. You're welcome. I love scripture. (laughs) It's, I need a a concrete foundation. And I mean, our foundation is Jesus, but the scripture helps me understand Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I really like it. Thank you. Can you honestly say that I love my husband without requiring anything to change? And do you ever waver on that? Um, Yes and yes. (laughs) I do. I think because we've been married 15 years, and again, because of Jeremy's parents' influence, I think I've learned that there are some things that will just never change, and I need to accept those things. And your whole relationship is a lot better when you accept those things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Jeremy's parents, his mom has long hair, 
she's in her 70s and she has long hair. I don't know many 70-year-olds with long hair. I don't either. And I have said to her many times, I'm like, why don't you just cut your hair? And she's like, he loves it. I mean, he loves it. I mean, he really loves her hair. (laughs) I mean, he's funny. And I am so stubborn that I would be like, I'm going to show you who's in charge. I'm going to cut my hair, you know, and which is so wrong of me. But she just I think she looks at it. And I think she said to me at one point, she said, Miriam, it's not a big deal. And it makes a big deal in his world, you know. Mm. And so it's just one of those things that she accepted and they have a lot better relationship because of it. It's not hurting anybody. She actually looks beautiful with her hair. So it's not a bad thing. And. So for us, it for me, it's accepting that Jeremy is never going to wake up and be a master chef. I mean, sweet husband, we've been married 15 years, and I taught him how to make eggs yesterday <laughs> because he wants to make me eggs for breakfast tomorrow on Mother's Day. How sweet. And it was very sweet. And instead of being condescending, as I would have been in our early marriage, and being like, well, this is how you do it. I can't believe, blah, blah, blah. Instead, I appreciate that he wants to make me eggs and I'm pouring confidence into him that you can do this. And and it's not that big a deal to me because I love to cook. And actually, I get away in the kitchen and he takes care of the kids while I make meals. So it's kind of a win-win. But I think I do accept that there are things that will never change. And then there's still part of me that on bad days, I'm not going to lie and say I don't wish that he would, you know wake up and be a master chef or whatever is happening at that time that annoys me. Of course, I'm human. So yeah, I'm going to wish, of course. Yeah. But yes and yes. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like with Russ, I, I wish he was sillier at times, but then I also have this husband who I is absolutely, he can be more serious and intense but I can absolutely depend on him. He loves me dearly. He'll do anything for me. He wants to make all my dreams come true. You know, I mean, okay, so I'll just have to be the silly one for both of us. <laughs> you know, so, um, but thank you for sharing both aspects of that. Um, would you say that you love each other more now than earlier in your marriage? Yes, I would say a thousand percent yes. And this is, I remember talking to Donna when I was dating Jeremy and we were doing some phone calls, I guess something had happened and it had alarmed me a little bit. And I called Donna to talk to her about it. And it wasn't something that Jeremy had done. It actually was something that had happened in our friend circle. And um, we were just experiencing, you know, the ramifications of that. And I remember Donna talking to me about how her and Steve have this deeper uh, amount of love and talking about what I was talking about earlier with Jeremy's parents having this deeper love for each other. And she was trying to describe it to me. And she said, it's different. She said, what you and Jeremy are experiencing right now seems like the greatest thing you've ever experienced. Cause it did. I mean, we were engaged. We were so in love, so full of love for each other and joy. And it's really fun. And so I can't imagine a different love that's better, but it really is better. And Donna tried to cast the vision for me and she did good just to plant the seed, but being where we're at now and then kind of seeing other couples already further down, I think it's so hard for me to believe. Even here, it is really hard for me to believe that it can get better than this, but I know that it can. And it's, it's just a different way of loving each other that is really good. Yeah. And it shows the different levels of intimacy. Yeah. And it's not all physical. There's this emotional and spiritual intimacy that grows and grows and grows over the years. But I think physical gets better too. Just to all your newlyweds out there, if they're listening, like you may think it doesn't get better, (laughs) but when you add in the element of like being able to know each other that well, you got lots of opportunity for that to get better too. So And especially for us women, emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right. Has God put his finger on some aspect of your marriage that needs attention? What is it? And why do you believe he wants what he wants from both of you? So 
I I do think lately I have been aware that it occurred to me the other day I receive love from the kids and from Jeremy. So I'm constantly getting physically touched. I'm constantly kind of getting emotionally touched mm-hmm. from my children or from Jeremy. You know, I said I have an eight, five, and three. And so my eight-year-old's pretty independent. He's getting older. But I still have a three-year-old who thinks I am awesome. And she wants to be with me all the time. And mommy, hold me. I mean, I don't know why I have a 2,000-square-foot house. I could live in a shed. And she would be very happy because she only sits in my lap. And so it is awesome. And I'm getting all of this filled in emotionally. But then I have Jeremy who is working during the day. And I work too. I work part-time, but I'm part-time. I'm uh, with the kids at home a lot more, but he's not. And so while the kids and him have an amazing relationship, he has never faltered on who he goes to for his source of affection and attention. And that is me. And so I don't feel like he has ever taken his eyes off of me is what I realized the other day. Whereas I think I definitely at times have taken my eyes off of him and really just focus on the kids and then like, okay, you need this, you need this, you need Mm -hmm. this. Let me pay attention to this. Let me do this. And I'm not looking at him, but yet I realize he's still looking at me. Mm -hmm. He's still coming to me, but I'm not coming to him Mm -hmm. because I'm really just thinking you got yourself taken care of. You're a grown man. You can take care of yourself. I'm taking care of these three kids. And That could really hurt us in the long run if I don't pay attention to that and manage the tension of caring for my children well, making sure I include him and I'm not trying to do it all. And then also making sure that I make, you know, time for him. That your emotional cup isn't just filled up with the kids. Yeah. And he even said to me the other day, I took a shower, which sounds like not a monumental thing, but I don't love showering every day. I have the kind of hair that I could probably go several days without it. And I don't sweat a lot. So I'm like, ah, we shower too much in America. Like, this is overrated. But he said to me, he said, I really feel loved when you shower. And I just hadn't viewed me showering as an act of love to him. But I said, okay, like, if that's the deal, like, not a deal, but if that does it for you, you feel loved by that, then maybe I can make it a priority to make sure that I shower. And so I wish I had an excuse of little ones because I'm the same. And I think Russ is like, I think there's such a change. He's like, oh, wow, you look great. I know. <laughs> Maybe I should do this a little bit more often because oh, I do no. the same. I can go days without it too. Oh, no. So. No. It's really overrated. I mean, we both have long hair. We have to, I think that's the deal. It's, it's a lot it's of fixing work. Fixing your hair. And I don't wear makeup half the time either. Same hair. And it's really just because I'm lazy. If yeah. I'm honest, it's just straight up laziness. And I prioritize sleep over my makeup. Oh, my I really don't care what they think about me at the, gro- at the grocery here. store. Yeah. I got a little bit more sleep today. So I'm working on that. And um, I really feel like that's what God is that's, putting his finger on. So. That's great. Do you work together spiritually to your satisfaction? And what could improve that? So I think I'm very happy with what we do together spiritually. I think actually that is part of our connection and what continues to keep um, us drawn to each other. I don't know if you're familiar with the book Spiritual Pathways or uh, the concept of a spiritual pathway, but um, there's a book called Spiritual Pathways, and I don't know the name of the author, but the book there's a test you can take and it basically will help you understand how you best connect with God. And so like oh, for some people, I've heard it's of that. contemplative, yeah. like right. it's through journal and Bible study or for nature. some people it's nature. For some people it's like social justice, like fighting for other people. And for Jeremy and I, both of us are taught. And for some people it's worship too. I'll throw that out there. They like through music, mm-hmm. they connect to God. For both me and Jeremy, our top connection point to God is service. And that is why when we discovered that, we said, oh my gosh, that's why we can't go to sleep on small group nights. Because we finish small group and we're both like wired. So energized. We're so energized because 
it was so fun and we really enjoyed connecting with people and we enjoyed, you know, seeing what God was doing in this couple or hearing about this. And sometimes certain people in our group will stay after and talk for a while. And that's really fun. And we enjoy getting to talk more about, you know, what is God doing or how does this work or what do you think about that? And we both really enjoy listening to podcasts and just sharing and growing together. So I feel like it's just an ongoing connection point for us. And together, the only way that we serve together spiritually right now is leading our small group. And then we are two to one mentors, which we were leading in Thrive when we met you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Thrive is a little bit more time intensive because the amount of couples involved Mm -hmm. and because of our season of life, it's just very difficult to spread ourselves between that many couples. But two to one, we have one couple and Mm -hmm. we walk with them through engagement and then they get married. And it's kind of fun to sit on that side of things too, to get ahead of things a little bit instead of and during such a, a fun phase, too, because sometimes there's couples that come in to thrive that are like, I don't know if we're going to make hard. it. Yeah, it can yeah. be hard. And you want to be able to give them all of the encouragement that they need mm-hmm. in that season. And so and it's hard for us to like halfway do something. So I would be halfway leading if I led a thrive group right now, because right. I don't have the capacity to give it 100 percent, whereas I can give one couple hundred percent and feel like, okay, we're doing this. So we really enjoy doing that together. And then it's just, you know, we also serve together in raising our children. I mean, I feel like that is a spiritual thing. Uh, I don't look to the church to equip my children in what they know about God. Like I do want the church to partner with me in that. And Mm -hmm. they do, but I feel like it's a big part. And for us, we're not the kind of family that's doing a weekly Bible study with our family or, you know, our morning devotional every day. Not that those routines aren't good. That just would not work for us because we just would not be able to do it. But what does happen is us constantly bringing God into the conversation of, well, how did that friend make you feel? What do you think about that friend? Do you think that friend is hurting? Does that friend, you know, know God? Do they know that Jesus, do they know how loved they are? Maybe they don't. Maybe that's why they're not able to be as loving. Can we forgive them? You know, all of those things, those are also ways that we are able to spiritually connect in um, parenting our children. So I really enjoy that. And he's my favorite person to serve with. So Yeah. And I will tell you that you may be aware of the Friday feature blogs that we do and where we share some of these similar questions. And on the podcast, this question has come up. And one thing that I've noticed is most of the women have ended with, well, I can't wait or I wish I was doing something with my husband, but I hope to down Mm -hmm. the road, you know, be involved some type of Mm -hmm. serving or ministry Mm -hmm. together. And so I think you and I are very fortunate that we get to do something with our husband now in this current stage of life. So it's, I really appreciate it. And it has given Russ and I another level of intimacy I wouldn't have otherwise experienced. Yeah, it's really fun. And there was another marriage curriculum that the church did years ago called Intimate Encounters. And one of the things it said in that curriculum of a way to connect with your spouse is joint accomplishment. It's, It's called joint accomplishment. And so anytime you can do anything together, it doesn't have to be leading spiritually. It could be you're on a ball team together or you're, you know, taking a class together or you're both listening to your podcast, Danielle, or you're both watching your webinars. You're doing something together and accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. There's a level of satisfaction that comes in that accomplishment and you worked together and you grow together when you do that. And so I, I believe that is true. Joint accomplishment. That's awesome. So are you suffering internally in any way? And if so, what is it? So, yes. <laughs> I asked Jeremy if he was comfortable with me sharing this because, I don't know, all of this is new to me. I'm, And you know, I didn't want to do this like way back when, when you asked me if I would come on the podcast or even do a blog thing for your blog. I was like, no. Like, <laughs> I... I'm actually a pretty private person. I'm very open when I talk one-on-one. I have no problem with that. 
But I do not want to be famous. I do not want a lot of people knowing all my whole life because I really enjoy my little world. And I feel like the more open you are, the more other people like feel freedom to speak into your world sure. where I really may not care what they think. And sure. Neither do I want their input in my world. And so that, but what I'd like to interrupt you on that point, the reason why I keep coming back to you is because of, you do have this beautiful vulnerability and transparency, but I wish I could bottle you up <laughs> and share you with all my girlfriends because mm. of how much I learned from you. And I think others can learn from you. Mm. So I appreciate you stepping out and, mm. and doing this now. Well, I uh, finally was said yes. And I can't even say exactly why for sure, except actually I will say why. It's because I feel like you led with courage. Mm. You know, I thought, I know you, and I know you too. You would probably rather just keep it small, yes. be small, like True. be in my world. But you are very passionate about helping people with marriage and helping other couples succeed. And so you said, I'm going to do it anyway. And I just heard this guy, Jeremy Courtney, um, a court. It's with Preemptive Love. It's a ministry. He's living in like Iraq or Syria. They interviewed him at Catalyst and he's living in the middle of all this craziness right now. And he's being, you know, a light for Christ and all these people and showing them Christ's love and just helping where he can. And he said something on the stage that I loved. He said, I do it anyway. He said, I do this afraid. So oh, I love he that. was like, I'm not over here in Iraq, like, I'm not scared. I've got kids. This is all good. He said, I'm very aware of what could happen to my children. And we do it anyway. Oh, and we that. do it anyway. And he said, I'm constantly trying to put um, fear in the passenger seat. And that was really encouraging for me because that is me. I mean, if I let, we've heard all my examples of me trying to control everything in my life. <laughs> and really, it's about fear. It's about, well, if I manage my risk, mm -hmm. then I can avoid this. And let me see what is the risk, risk calculation. So I'm a CPA. We're all about conservative, calculated things. <laughs> I mean, this is who we are. And so that is that was my hesitation. It's just, I don't know. I'm afraid, but I'm doing it anyway. So all that being said, internally, I have been battling anxiety. And it has been so real that I was at a meeting, an event a couple of weeks ago, and I went into the dinner and I was literally shaking at the dinner. And I thought, well, it was also cold in the room, but I thought, oh Lord, I just, why am I, why am I anxious? Like there's no reason, there's no reason for me to feel the level of anxiety that I was feeling. And so it had become such a daily battle that I told Jeremy, I said, I just got to go back to a counselor. I need to sit down with a counselor. And my counselor had retired. And so I was actually anxious about finding a new counselor I because here I had had this person that I met with years ago. Um, I had had a similar battle with anxiety and more so depression after Will was born, before I adopted Matthew, um, our second, because of infertility. I'd had infertility before Will, miraculously had him, and then infertility the second time kind of proved to be harder emotionally. And so I ended up meeting with a counselor for almost a year, like intense, like weekly appointments, the monthly appointments or biweekly. So I really loved that counselor, continued to touch base with her, you know, once or twice a year over the years. And, and she, she retired. All, and she had all that history. She had all my information. So I found a new counselor and I really like her. I've been with her now for probably like eight appointments. But I mean... This is why we include other people in our lives. I sat down with her, told her about the anxiety, and I've already told you about how I wish I had better um, intentionality with my words. And I had had a few instances happen where I kind of lost it with people, <laughs> not so much like screaming at people, but just being very honest and saying to people, well, I think this was terrible <laughs> at an event where, you know, it's terrible. Like you shouldn't look at somebody at an event that they hosted and say, this is terrible. But I did. That was me. And it was so shameful. But 
Long story short, I ended up discovering, so the counselor said, you need to go to your doctor and kind of get all your levels checked and everything. And turns out my thyroid was acting up. Mm. And so now I'm on this thyroid medication and I feel so much better. <laughs> and so I'm still meeting with the counselor, but we've already made a ton of progress. And I think, I mean, she's already said, you know, this isn't going to be much longer of working with her. And then there's some other steps. I think I'm actually going to go through the Renew program at North Point myself because just there's lots of opportunities for lies to believe. And Renew really helps you identify the lies that you're believing and replace those with truth. And what does God say about that? And um, I'm really looking forward to that. And I think that'll be another level of um, health in terms of the battle of anxiety, but I wanted to share that because I don't know how many people I know will actually listen to this podcast, but if they do know me, I think they may be surprised because it's not something that I am sharing on a social media platform. Yeah, you it's don't broadcast that. Right. I don't think anyone would know unless I told them. Right. So. And what I think that does is frees up other people like what she's experiencing anxiety, like okay, me too. And what is yeah. she doing about it? And, and I think what you said was really important too, is that physically you got checked out. Yes. Cause I got, I had a thyroid issue and my levels were really off. And I was like walking through mud going, what is wrong with me? And I couldn't function. And, mm -hmm. and so it's always important to physically check. And, um, but knowing that anxiety sometimes cripples the best of us is mm -hmm. just good to know that we're not above it. And, mm -hmm. and your combination of looking at yourself physically and mentally is, I think a lot of people are afraid. There's such a stigma to counseling that I hope mm -hmm. like you guys have made it seem like it is commonplace. It's something that we include in our marriage yeah. and Russ and I do too. I remember when we first went to counseling, I was like, Russ, can you please not tell everyone? <laughs> He was such an open book and I was so embarrassed. I'm thinking, what are these people thinking? And so I constantly went to counseling, very embarrassed. And then all of a sudden I was like, I was still embarrassed to go, but I was like, wow, this stuff is working. Mm -hmm. And then it worked so much in our marriage and gave us such a richer marriage because of it. I was like, I don't care. Everybody can know. Like, <laughs> you need to go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I really appreciate you sharing that. It's very brave because what I've learned in reading a lot of Brene Brown books, and I just love her, is vulnerability feels very weak when you're sharing something about yourself. It does. But others are drawn to you because it's seen as courage. Mm. So please be encouraged by that. Thank you. And our last question is, do you ever question if you're a believer at all and what causes you the most doubt? What can so, we do about that? I loved that question because I, uh, my answer is yes, that I do and have questioned if I was a believer. Like I have sat in the bed with Jeremy and said, am I even a Christian? And let me just back up and say, you know, I don't know how much about personality profiles your listeners know about, but I'm an analyzer on right path. So my brain is always thinking. I am just, it is really always thinking. And I look at those times and it's interesting because sometimes I can feel so close to God and so secure in my relationship with Him. But then other times I can feel, and the emphasis is on the word feel, and mm -hmm. I am Southern, so that's the feel. 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 <laughs> because I'm from Georgia. <laughs> Um, I'm actually from Noonan, and I've lived up here long enough, but I don't think it comes out all the time, but it just did then. <laughs> so um, anyway, if I base my relationship with God, or if I evaluate or I determine my rightness with God on my circumstances or how I feel, then I will definitely question where I am as a believer, like am I, or my status as a believer. And that is where Jeremy has just been the best husband in this way. Um, he is the one that taught me this verse and is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it's John chapter 17, verse three. It says, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, period. That's the end of the verse. 
And after it, it doesn't go in to any other verses about how we are right with God. I'll read it again. This is eternal life. Eternal life being our connection with God, our way to God, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And Jeremy would say, does that say Jesus Christ plus I do my Bible study every morning? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Does it say Jesus Christ plus I have checked this box and this box and this box? Mm-hmm. It didn't say any of that. It said, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so when I question my status as a believer, I go back to that verse and I think, what am I basing my relationship with God on? Am I basing it on circumstances? Am I basing it on, oh my gosh, I really just feel worn down because motherhood is kicking my butt and used to when I was in college, I got to spend you know all this time journaling and spending time with God. And I am somebody who actually loves journaling. I've journaled since high school. So it's not that I don't love it. It's more about time. And then I can kick myself and be like, well, oh my gosh, like if I was like some moms, I'd wake up in the morning at like 5.30 and make sure I got everything done. And again, we've already talked about how much I love sleep. So that's not happen. But God loves me still. And my connection to Him is not based on how I feel. Um, but your question was, do you ever question if you are? And I, the answer is yes, I have. And what causes me the most doubt is my feelings. And one thing I wanted to be clear about is that our feelings are not always misleading, but they can be misleading. Sometimes our emotions are telling us what it should be telling us. Mm-hmm. You know, it is okay to be sad. You know, if something really bad has just happened, we are going to be sad. But um, it's important to pay attention to our emotions, just not to let our emotions lead us. And then other things that cause me to doubt are just the world circumstances. You know, when really bad things happen, especially related to children, it's really hard for me to experience that through the eyes of how I think I would have handled it if I was God, Mm -hmm. because I've already shared again how I think that, well, I have the answer. (laughs) Well, if I was God, that would not happen. And that is just not helpful or a healthy thought pattern for me. And it is better for me to go back to what is my position in my relationship with God. How did I get that position with God? And I love my sister-in-law actually has shared this with me multiple times lately. They've been in a really tough spot with someone in their world whose daughter is dying of cancer, same age as my nephew. And it's been really difficult to watch. And she just talks about the quote that C.S. Lewis said, that if we find ourselves longing for another world, maybe it's because we were made for another world. Mm-hmm. And I so she just talked about how suffering produces, suffering is what helps unleash the tethers. I say tethers because there's not a better word, but you know how you have a boat that's anchored to the shore and it's anchored through that rope? Well, I think a tether could be wrong is what you call those mm-hmm. boat, those ropes that are. So suffering kind of breaks the tethers to this world. When you suffer, when you experience those very difficult things, it helps us long for heaven. Because if this world was perfect, then we would never want heaven. I We'd be never like, thought of suffering. Well, heaven is in that you way. know, who needs heaven? This is awesome. But the reality is this is a broken world and it is not awesome. It is right. really hard sometimes. Yeah. And so that is helpful for me. I think about thoughts like that too, like that I'm connected because of Jesus and I'm made for another world. And I love being here. Let me be clear. I love being here. I've asked God today. I was like, please let me live a really long life with my children because I love them so much. And hopefully that will be our world. But um, either way, it I think it's just important that people know that other people doubt and that they don't feel like, well, I'm the only one. Yeah. Well, and I think even our close friends will be surprised by your answer. Because yeah, you're such a spiritual guide and a, a rock for us mm-hmm. that to hear that even you waver sometimes with that. Mm-hmm. And I love your reminders that it's not based on your feelings or a, 
you know, performance, right. you know, what am I doing? And right. I think, I think we get caught up with that, um, with this legalistic way of being brought up sometimes in the church of thou shalt not, thou shalt not, mm-hmm. you know, and then we easily discredit, well, if we do those things, then we must not be close to God. So yeah. thank you for the uh, reminder of that scripture. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for letting me share. Yeah, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, I've really enjoyed our time together. And I, I just want to acknowledge how brave you are. <laughs> And coming on, I did here. it. Yeah. I did it, everybody. <laughs> you can do it too. If anybody's listening and you're afraid, you can do it too. There's, there, there you go. Thank you so much, Miriam. You're welcome. Want some more insight on how to strengthen your marriage? You can find new blogs posted every week and a new live monthly webinar. Just go to intentionalmarriages.net. That's intentional marriages with an S dot net, N-E-T. Thank you and stay intentional.